0: Today from the global lane, global persecution of Christians rising, why North Korea has replaced Afghanistan as the worst offending nation.
1: For Christians in Afghanistan who remain, indigenous Christians, the situation this year has not got easier, but there are fewer of them. Um, And last year, the situation in North Korea had not got easier, but honestly, it is harder for it to get worse than it is today.
0: The worst U.S. flight shutdown since 9-11 human error or something more sinister.
2: This is what I would categorize as highly suspicious. Saying it was human error keeps everyone calm, but in reality, it really does
3: sound like a cyber attack.
0: How can Americans restore political and cultural unity?
3: We have to get back to that common ground of morality that runs
0: through all religious faith. And will the US Congress uncover the truth about Chinese dark money and influence in Washington? And it's all right here on the Global Lane. Although fewer Christians were killed for their faith last year over 2021, worldwide persecution against them is rising. That's a word from Open Doors US this week with the release of the group's annual World Watch list for 2023. Well, joining us with more is Open Doors interim CEO, Lisa Pierce. There were fewer recorded cases of Christians killed last year, about 5,600 compared to 5,900 in 2021, yet persecution still rising globally. So where is it, why is it getting worse and where?
1: Part of the reason that it's getting worse is because it is getting worse in more places. So particularly this year, we see the spread of violence against Christians in sub-Saharan Africa. Shockingly this year in our findings, we see that in the 10 countries where it is, uh, where Christians experience the most violence because of their faith, seven out of 10 are in sub-Saharan Africa. As you rightly note, there are slightly fewer killings that we recorded last year. Um, But actually violence, if you look at rape, abduction, severe beatings, overall violence figures are still incredibly troubling.
0: Let's look at some of the top offenders. I know last year, uh, just after the U.S. withdrawal of the troops from Afghanistan, uh, Open Doors placed Afghanistan at the top of the list. This year, however, North Korea is back at number one.
1: Why? Afghanistan hit the top of the list last year, not because North Korea had got less severe, but because Afghanistan had got more severe. Last year, with the withdrawal of troops, we saw a huge number of Christians killed, a huge number fleeing the country because they very understandably felt there was no possibility li- to live there with any kind of safety. And the Christians that remain have gone deep underground. And so there, few of, there are fewer Christians remaining and few of them are willing to to raise their heads and be seen. So uh, the reality is that for Christians in Afghanistan who remain indigenous Christians, the situation this year has not got easier, but there are fewer of them. Um, And last year, the situation in North Korea had not got easier. It was that Afghanistan had got worse. In fact, in 2020, with the anti-reactionary thought law that was introduced in North Korea, we see that just legitimizing further and a consistent persecution of Christians in that nation. But honestly, it is harder for it to get worse than it is today.
0: Well, looking at the list, we see that Nigeria, Pakistan, and Iran all jumped up a slot in the rankings from seven, eight, and nine to six, seven, and eight. On Religious Freedom Day, President Biden said his administration is standing against religious persecution around the world, yet in Nigeria. A priest was killed this week when his church was set on fire no one seems to be doing anything about persecution there especially the us state department which still refuses to return to trump's policy of listing nigeria as a country of particular concern so tell us more about what's happening in nigeria
1: the the situation in nigeria is grim uh, actually a huge percentage of the recorded killings of christians because of the, their faith in our last reporting period took place in nigeria the situation there is dire abduction um, of people has become a way of life and a very comfortable living for a number of people christians and in particular pastors carry a higher premium um, for those abductions but we also see pretty systematic uh, violence against christian communities uh, within nigeria and to your point about the u.s state department um There are many good things that the US State Department are doing. We would urge them to to put Nigeria back onto that list of countries of particular concern. It is clear that there is a huge amount happening to the church there. There's an absolute lack of religious freedom. And uh, I know there are debates about how much of this is sectarianism, how much of this is just different tribal groups or people groups. We would say there is clear evidence that there is persecution of Christians because of their faith.
0: India and China always seem to make the top 20 on your annual World Watch list. Tell us more about what's happening in the the two largest countries in the world. One is Hindu, the other is communist.
1: Serious persecution in both in India, persecution of Christians, and in particular Christian converts remains very serious. Uh, beating of pastors, raping of women and girls is... Um, <laughs> I don't want to say it's normal, but it's certainly not unusual in many parts of the country. And uh, I've just uh, been with, with members of our team there and they've been weeping. In China, the squeeze on the church that we've seen over the last few years is continuing to increase and it is reaching a really uh, difficult point for the church. In in 2022, we saw the government introduce sweeping new rules on use of the Internet um, and sweeping new rules for churches on how they had to comply. And for many Christians in China, uh, the use of the Internet, the ability to download digital resources in line to access their Bibles, to connect in fellowship um, in areas and regions where it was simply not possible to do that safely in person. those options are no longer open to many Christians. There are, it is much harder to access resources to connect with others online because of the new rules. And troublingly, there are much, there are quite serious consequences for those that who do.
0: So where can people view the entire World Watch list?
1: If people go to opendoorsus.org, they can see the whole list, register your interest, get involved, pre- please pray. You will be encouraged at how God is at work. Um, And as you see how he's at work and pray and support others, I can guarantee that your own faith will be strengthened.
0: Lisa Pierce, Open Doors U.S., thank you for taking the time to provide your insights about the 2020 World Watch
1: list. Thanks so much. Bye.
0: Human error or a cyber attack? Who was responsible for the computer network failure that recently caused the FAA to ground all U.S. air traffic for the first time since 9-11? Well, here to provide some insights is Dr. Eric Cole, cybersecurity expert and CEO and founder of Secure Anchor. Eric, it's good to talk with you again, but uh, in some aspects, it isn't so good. The FAA uh, says two contract workers, introduced errors into the core data used on the notice to air mission system. But this also happened in Canada on the same day. So was it a cyber attack? Who do you think was responsible?
2: This is what I would categorize as highly suspicious because these systems have redundancy. They have backups, they have ways to be able to recover. So when I hear that there was a database error, and then as you said, there were two different systems, That went down on the same time. I'm like, okay, saying it was human error keeps everyone calm, but in reality, it really does sound like a cyber attack, and that something went wrong that was unplanned for.
0: Okay, if it was a cyber attack, uh, who may be responsible? I mean, right away we think Russia because of the war against Ukraine that the uh, Canada and the U.S. are supporting.
2: Yeah, I mean, R- Russia lately has always been on the list, but we also forget that China is also a big target, especially when it comes to critical mm-hmm. infrastructure. And there's also a lot of freelance cyber adversaries that are out there that are really big on ransomware extortion and things like that. So from my standpoint, it sounds like what we call a test attack where they wanted to test and just see how vulnerable the systems were whether they could get in and how long it would take them to recover. So to me the critical part for the FAA right now is to really figure out if it was a cyber attack to figure out how they got in and make sure they fix it because this sounds like it's going to be one of many attacks in our future.
0: Yes the contract workers that they mentioned they're saying they're unidentified so that's interesting but the FAA software as you know is 30 years old. Why is it at least six years away from being updated, Eric?
2: When you're dealing with critical infrastructure, like air traffic control, utilities, and even hospitals, uptime availability is critical. And any time you patch or update a system, there's a chance it could crash. I'm sure you've had at your home when you did an update or they said, oh, it's just a basic patch. All of a sudden things don't work and things stop operating. So it sounds bizarre, but the more critical a system, the less we update it, the less we patch it, and the more vulnerable it becomes.
0: So how likely then is another shutdown or cyber attack, not only against an antiquated FAA computer network, but other critical government networks? Just how vulnerable are they?
2: Unfortunately, they are very vulnerable. For that reason you said, these are old systems, They're not typically updated. They're not typically patched. And the big problem is they're starting to be interconnected. And that's where the problem comes in. These systems were designed and built to be what we call in cybersecurity an air gap, which means completely isolated from any other system or the internet. But what's been happening over the last year or two is they're interconnecting these to the internet and other systems to make them easier to use. And because of that, this to me is just the beginning. And this year, we're going to see a lot more of these attacks happening because of that.
0: Th- did that happen with uh, remote work uh, because of the, uh, the uh, COVID shutdowns?
2: Th- th- that was one of the big drivers where this whole work from home or work from anywhere. Now, all of a sudden, you had systems that needed to be accessible if somebody wasn't in the office. There were systems that needed to be monitored, like the FAA systems, when somebody is not in one of their secure facilities. So, yes, that was the trend that started it. And instead of us leaning away from that, now that people are coming back in the office, we're actually doing more and more interconnectivity, which is great for ease of use, but is one of the worst possible things we can do for cybersecurity.
0: So how true is it, then, uh, I want to go back to this, that most Russian hackers are concerned about extorting money, from companies, schools, other networks, uh, pledging to shut them down and destroy their networks if they don't pay up. And then Chinese hackers, who may be more interested in stealing secrets and sensitive information.
2: Uh, That's very spot on. We can usually guess with a high reliability who's doing it based on those symptoms. And then we have to remember that Iran, Venezuela, North Korea are all recognizing the value of cyber attacks. And how vulnerable our systems are. So, they're also starting to launch these attacks for the same reasons. Most of them tend to be more monetarily driven. China is really the one that's focused a lot on intellectual property theft, but there's a lot more players that are targeting us just because of how easy and simple it is to do.
0: And, Eric, I can't let you go without asking you about TikTok. ByteDance, the Chinese company that owns TikTok, employs more than 100 Chinese Communist Party members. So there are many security concerns about this social media app, and uh, the CCP is mining user information, data for nefarious purposes. So just how risky is it to have this app on your phone? To me, it's very
2: risky, and I know a lot of parents look at me or push back going, Eric, it's videos. How harmful could a video be? But what they're missing is, it's not the video. It is the access to your device. TikTok has access to your device, your data, your information, your microphone, your camera, all those factors. So it really is now a built-in spying tool that they can access information and details outside of the videos. And the other factor is, it also can track personal behavior. Imagine if a government can track U.S. citizens' behavior for 15, 20, 30 years, and build a database of predictability, that's a huge vulnerability to the country. So if you fast forward TikTok 20, 30 years from now, this creates a huge national security problem.
0: Okay, we'll see how Congress deals with it. Eric Cole, cybersecurity expert, CEO and founder of Secure Anchor. Eric, it's always good talking to you. Thank you for sharing your time and insights. My pleasure. Everything from protecting the lives of unborn babies to immigration and gun control. Why are Americans so divided over the big issues of our time? Republicans control the House of Representatives by a narrow margin, and Democrats narrowly control the Senate. The US Congress is simply one reflection of our society as a whole. So how do we restore unity to our nation? How do we look past political differences and find moral common ground? Well, joining us to provide some thoughts on this is Southern Evangelical Seminary President Phil Jinn. Judge Jinn, instead of viewing Russia, China, Iran, or North Korea as our biggest adversaries, those who claim to be Republican or Democrat see members of the opposing party as the nation's biggest adversary. Why is that?
3: Well, I'm not so sure that it doesn't go back even uh, as far back as the Roman Empire that crumbled from within. And and they may be correct in, in that we are our own worst enemies in this nation. And I think one of the reasons is that, as I've stated before, that We've, uh, as a po- as a people, tried to erase, erase what I call the godline
0: in our uh, culture and in our society. Well, tell us what the godline is.
3: Well, it's a it's a common thread that, that we recognize a natural law at Southern Evangelical Seminary that that uh, is uh, a a moral code, uh, what have you, that actually runs through all of uh, religions. Uh, particularly those who are uh, theistic uh, type religions, and particularly, uh, of course, Christianity, that allows us as individuals and as groups to um, match what we think, what we say, what we do up against this godline to determine how close we are to that godline. And as we get closer to the godline, obviously, the closer we are to each other. And as we've rela- erased that godline in our culture, then. We don't have that standard, that cohesiveness that draws us together. And ultimately, your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. And I'm going to try to get into control so I can enforce my truth on you before you get into control to enforce your truth on me.
0: Well, here's an example of how that's happening. Many uh, Generation Zers think people who disagree with them are their enemies. About a third of them say they have no religious affiliation whatsoever. and Nearly one out of five say they're either agnostic or atheist. So what impact is that having on our society or will it have in the future?
3: Well, I, I think that's a further erasure of the guideline, uh, obviously. And, and, and we've redefined the word tolerance. Uh, it used to be the word tolerance meant that you and I might have some basic differences, but yet we respected one another and could get along with one another. And, and talk about things uh, civilly. But now, uh, if, uh, if you and I don't agree on one, maybe one thing out of a hundred, then we're bitter enemies. And so that's not what tolerance is all about. In fact, uh, in reality is, truth is pretty dogmatic, um, uh, particularly of that which is not true.
0: Well, here's a truth. In Matthew 12:25, Jesus said every house divided against itself cannot stand. So what must we do to get beyond this division in America uh, and restore unity?
3: Well, I I think that we have to get back to that common ground of morality that runs through, as I indicated, all religious faiths. Uh, And we need to find um, some common ground in beliefs again, which we don't have and which we're actually going, as you've indicated, in the opposite direction from that. Uh, and the more our faith becomes splintered in every different direction, uh, it makes it much more difficult for us to, uh, to understand enough about one another to, uh, uh, to coexist peacefully.
0: And your seminary is doing something about this, or trying to anyway. SES has a new 10-week study series uh, for small groups and churches called Steadfast. Tell us about that. And what I, is it? What, what are you hoping it'll accomplish?
3: Gary, I'm, I'm really excited about that uh, new program that hopefully will be available this spring for small groups. Uh, it's, it's unique in a lot of ways. Number one, it is a 10-week study that is created basically for lay people to better understand apologetics and to better understand the Christian system of truth that we have it and to be able to better explain it to those who, uh, who may be wavering or have questions. Um, on top of that, it's free. Uh, so uh, that, that's a big deal, but it would be available to, uh, to churches, to small groups, to individual Bible studies, and it will include uh, the last session we'll have a real live professor from uh, our seminary to, to answer any questions that might have come up during uh, the course that were unanswered or, or still open. The, uh, the other thing that's really good about it, there is an extra credit segment, that will allow an individual to actually by doing just a little more work get a master's degree credit three hours of master's degree credit toward a degree at southern evangelical seminary if they wish to do so
0: that sounds great thank you southern evangelical seminary president phil Jin. good to talk with you thank you for your time and setting us straight today
3: gary thank you always good to be with you sir
0: House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has appointed New Jersey Congressman Chris Smith to chair the newly created China Commission. Smith says the goal of the bicameral bipartisan commission is to, quote, aggressively counter the transnational repression of Xi Jinping's brutal dictatorship and ramp up scrutiny of those who are aiding and abetting the communist regime. Congressman Smith should begin with an investigation of the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement. There are plenty of questions Americans want to be answered. Who had access to the office where Joe Biden stored classified documents? Did any Chinese citizens visit there? How about Congressman Eric Swalwell's friend, suspected Chinese spy Feng Feng? Also, let's find out about alleged Chinese funding of the Penn Biden Center and the University of Pennsylvania. UPenn awarded Biden an honorary professorship at the university, where he reportedly received $1 million for nine visits to the campus between 2017 and 2019. UPenn reportedly received $16 million from anonymous Chinese donors in 2017, the year Joe Biden began his honorary professorship and $14.5 million in donations in 2018, just after the Penn Biden Center opened in Washington, D.C. Now, UPenn told the New York Post, the Penn Biden Center, quote, has never solicited or received gifts from any Chinese or other foreign entity. But what about the university itself? Did Joe Biden's son, Hunter, arrange for those anonymous Chinese donations to UPenn? Was that why then-former Vice President Biden was given an honorary professorship? Was this influence-peddling pay-to-play? Well, hopefully, Congressman Smith can get to the bottom of it, but he'll likely receive a lot of resistance along the way because there's a lot of Chinese dark money floating around Washington, D.C. and the halls of Congress. It's influence-peddling at the least, bribery at the worst. So let's pray for wisdom and protection for Congressman Smith and other China Commission members. Pray they'll shine light on the corruption of our government, that the truth is revealed, that honesty, integrity, and righteousness prevail. Well, that's it today from the Global Lane. Be sure to follow us on the CBN News and NRB channel's social media and our broadcast affiliates. And until next time, be blessed.